confess that until last week, I never heard that word Omicron. <laughs> I don't want to uh, have you disappointed in me, but you know, I never studied ancient Greek. I don't know how to pronounce this 15th letter of the Greek alphabet. To me, Omicron, I've heard it like five different pronunciations, but whatever it is, it sounds to me kind of science fiction-y, as in, you know, they came from the planet Omicron. In fact, there was a movie made by that title, Omicron. It was about an alien who came to Earth with a virus that threatened the human race. The premise of the film was so preposterous, a virus that threatens the human race. Nobody ever saw it. But here we are, again, yet another vile, virulent, vexing variant just when we thought that we were finally beginning to put this pandemic behind us. Speaking of movies, remember that line from the third Godfather film when an exasperated Michael Corleone yells, just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in. You feeling like me? Exasperated, exhausted, fatigued, weary, Depleted. Just when we thought we were out, they pulled us back in. If you feel like this, I'm glad you came tonight. Because Judaism has something to teach you. This Torah portion, Miketz, describes Joseph's interpretation of Pharaoh's dreams. Joseph told Pharaoh that seven years of plenty will be followed by seven years of famine. And then Joseph does something that no one asked him to do. He advises Pharaoh on how to prepare for the seven years of famine. All they wanted from Joseph was for him to interpret Pharaoh's dreams. That's all. But Joseph volunteers Pharaoh what you need to do is find a man of discernment and wisdom and set him over the land of Egypt to gather food during the years of plenty and to store the grain so that it will be a reserve during the years of famine. And Pharaoh thought that was an excellent idea. And to his courtier's dismay, proclaimed, could we find another man like Joseph in whom the Spirit of God resides? And thus the Hebrew slave, who was all but forgotten in prison, rose to the second in command of all Egypt. He oversaw Egypt's food supplies during the famine. During the lean years, no one could eat without Joseph's involvement and authorization. Now that's a pretty good job if you can get that. Jewish sages wanted to know, how did all that stored food remain fresh for the seven years of famine? Have you ever thought of that? Yeah, you thought of that. I never thought of that. The wheat, the barley, and all the fruit of the earth would have certainly rotted at some point during these seven years, no? How did Joseph prevent 
pests from destroying the grain in the storehouses for a full seven years? These are the kind of questions that preoccupies our, our sages. Rashi explained that Joseph invented a form of pest control. He writes, the Egyptians put inside the storage facilities some of the earth where the grain grew, and this preserved the produce from rotting. According to Rashi, Joseph ordered the Egyptians to put some product of the earth, you know, perhaps sand, in between the grain that protects the food from predators, bugs, and grain viruses. In other words, what's the solution to pestilence? To bugs, rats, locusts, hungry animals devouring food meant for human consumption? Figure out how to protect the food. Invent pest control. That's so Jewish. How should we address natural and human-caused threats? Be proactive. Use human initiative. Invent things. In essence, Judaism is concerned with behavior. We do not spend too much time philosophizing about why bad things happen to good people. We do some of that, but nowhere near what other religions do. Rather, rabbinic Judaism spends most of its time and energy emphasizing deeds. Given that natural disasters occur, given that hurricanes blow in from the ocean, Jews spend less time asking, why does God allow hurricanes? And much more energy urging human beings to find a way to predict hurricanes so that they can get out of the way. And to learn how to build hurricane-resistant structures when we cannot get out of the way. Given that viruses exist, and given that variants evolve, we spend less time asking, why did God create a world where viruses can kill me? And much more time urging human beings to find cures to diseases. Invent medicines and vaccines. Figure it out. Be proactive. Joseph didn't ask, why did God create pestilence. The Torah doesn't suggest that God miraculously intervened to protect the food of Egypt. In fact, God is hardly mentioned at all in the entire Joseph saga. Joseph's story is mostly about human initiative. Joseph figured out how to improve and ultimately escape his own sorry predicament, and he invented a science-based solution to preserve the food of Egypt. Such a Jewish approach. That's who we are from the very beginning, from the very origin. Jews uphold and pursue science. Science is not the enemy of religion. To the contrary, science helps to unlock the mysteries of creation 
and employed properly, science dignifies human life. I'm convinced that Jews are overrepresented in science, technology, and medicine because we have absorbed this millennial Jewish perspective on life that was at the very root of Judaism from the very beginning. Have you noticed how many Jewish scientists are involved in the development and production of the coronavirus vaccine? We live in remarkable times. These vaccines are medical miracles. It's, a, it's astonishing to me why they're even controversial. Scientists need only 10 days to sequence an Omicron-resistant booster. That's how miraculous these times are. All the rest of the time is trials, but the actual vaccine, the formula, is probably already or will soon be in production, days after the variant was first identified. We take for granted the miracle of modern medicine. We forgot what it was like to die of a sore throat. It wasn't too long ago. For Judaism, life is a great good gift. Of course our sages were familiar with suffering. Of course they knew about illness, cruelty, oppression, brutality, tragedy, plagues, and death. In the face of this, they wanted human beings to create, to produce, to enjoy, to live. I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day. I have put before you life and death, blessing and curse. Choose life so that you and your offspring can live. It's the opposite of despair. No matter what, choose life. The rabbis urged persistence. Keep trying, keep getting up, keep fighting against medical illnesses and social ills. Keep discovering new treatments, keep inventing new machines that will allow longer and better lives. And be patient. Americans are notoriously impatient. You know that unique prayer of Americans? Dear God, give me patience, and I want it now. <laughs> Stay flexible. Life is uncertain. But never stop doing. Keep improving. Keep repairing. Keep engaging society. Take responsibility for yourself and for others. Do not give in. Do not make peace with or consent to evil, whether natural or nurtured, choose life. Do not acquiesce to droughts, tornadoes, hurricanes, global warming, viruses that kill. Discover how to protect yourself. Fight back. Defiance, not resignation, characterizes the Jewish heart. Use every means available, all your capacities to confront what is wrong and to make it right. In Judaism, it's deeds that count the most. A good person is defined not by what she thinks, but by what she does.
Action is eloquence in Judaism. In the words of Kohelet, Ecclesiastes, Kol asher timtza yadcha la'asot bekochacha, aseh. Whatever is in your power to do, do it with all your might. <laughs>